Hi, welcome to Mindful Conversations with Matt and Rob, and I'm pretending to be Matt. I think I think you did a fantastic <laughs> job. Way to go! Thank you. <laughs> You're a good impersonator. Yeah, I, I I didn't I didn't try to do the voice thing, but hi, I'm Matt. <laughs> hi, I'm Matt. Hey, listeners around the globe. Yes, we want to welcome you to our podcast. What? Yes, it's a it's what episode is this? Well, this is a shout out to our intern who's going to be coming on, Laura, from yesterday from group supervision. Oh yeah, oh uh, Rachel, Rachel, yeah. So yes. this, this is a shout out to Rachel because she's a fan. I think she's a fan. Yes, I wasn't sure what intern because you know we have a number of new interns coming on. We do. It's tis the season here it at is. Response Cares. It is interns leaving us and interns coming in. Yeah. Well, you have tuned in to Mindful Conversations with Matt and Rob, and uh, this is episode forty-two, and we are talking today about what, Doctor Rob? Parenting. 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 Yeah, um, a number of years ago, before the podcast, before we went on the air, I was telling Matt, my children are young, and I was looking at all the parenting techniques and ideas, and at that point in time, I felt like there was no framework for parenting that would work from, let's say, tots to teens, you know, that would cover lifespan. (laughs) And in that gap, uh, I decided that I would, try and create one. And so um, I've been using this little model for many years and my children are still adult or still adults. Are adult. <laughs> <laughs> my children are still adults. They are adults. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is it possible? Yeah, it is possible to regress back to childhood. Yes, <laughs> like, it is. Like you're, you're 28 yes. and then all of a sudden you become eight years old. <laughs> I regress back all the time. (laughs) I love it. And so um, this is something that uh, some of of the points that we'll discuss today, I use even today with my adult children. Okay. All right. So um, you've been in in the, the work of counseling for how many years? Oh, my word. I'm thinking 35 plus, it will, it would actually depend on where you start it, you know, because if you start it formally, it's, it's probably about 30, 35 years. Did you have hair back then? Not, my hair has always been thin. Okay. So I did have more hair. I had long hair, but my hair has never been thick Mm -hmm. and the hairline is always back. Mm -hmm. So, so did you have a a mullet growing up yes that was popular yes so mine yeah kind of like a mullet all business on the front a party in the back yeah i i guess you could say that my hair was at one point shoulder length like my generation would do gosh that would be so cool you could be like in the wind and the hair's like blowing around (laughs) like fabio Boy, it, it, it does not take long to no, derail us. I know it. We are a couple. Eight, we are a couple eight-year-olds. I know it. Um, Love it. No, thirty-five plus or minus uh, years in uh, therapy in a in a counseling yeah. role and marriage and family being one of the primary focuses that um, that you have 
worked in. Yes, my my background is in marriage and family and trauma. And trauma, yeah. And so so kids are important to you. I've known I've known you for a while now. Kids are yeah. important to you. Yeah, You're I, a huge advocate for kids. I am for families and kids. Yes. So, so this is an area that you, you know, they say that you're an expert in a topic <laughs> if you have ten thousand hours of experience. Oh. I, I would consider you an expert. <laughs> I might have that. I mean, you've been a, you, you're a dad. You have two children. Shout I out do. To Nicole and Maya, um, and you got grandchildren. You got two grandchildren. Yeah, Nathan and Molly. And so, but you've worked with a lot of families over the years. And so this topic is near and dear to your heart. So, yes. So why don't you go ahead and begin opening up this, this conversation about um, the ABCs of parenting? Yeah, I think of it as the ABCs of parenting. You know, in Psalm 127, verse 3, it says, Children are a gift from the Lord, and they are a reward from Him. Well, part of this, I noticed many years ago that that attitude wasn't probably shared with a lot of or many parents. Children weren't seen as a gift. They were seen as a inconvenience. And it, it got me noticing how often many times parents were parenting their children as they were an inconvenience, a mm-hmm. disruption on their agenda. And so that led me to the ABCs, which are basically, I think of them as this, the power of accepting the impact of believing, and what I think of is the magic of connecting, which you and I would know as attachment. Mm-hmm. And so when I think of accepting, I think of, you know, accepting your child's personality. Some kids are sensitive. Some kids are strong-willed. Um, it's important to ac- accept your child as is. Mm-hmm. Um it doesn't mean parents don't have influence over that personality, but they don't come to us as like a blank slate, like many, many thought early on in development. Can I just pause for a sure. moment? Because this idea of accepting, um, I have two children, grown children. They're still adults too. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to hear that. <laughs> this is never going to get old. No, <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> It won't get old. <laughs> this, this is the awkward pause of like, that is just too funny. The reality is raising children, I did not have a manual to follow. I mean, I probably read some books and things like that, but it's a crisis. Having kids really is a crisis. Yeah, it can be. Being married. I mean, you. I remember when we had Kaylin, our oldest, she was born in 1997, and we had her at Bronson. My wife delivered Kaylin at Bronson in Kalamazoo in January of 97. And I remembered, you know, getting the great royal treatment in the hospital. Baby was healthy. Mom was healthy. Um, we get um, all packed up. We get the car seat that we had bought weeks before and the blankets, and it was snowing outside. And we we put her into the car seat, get her into the car, and we get home. And I'll never forget, we got home. We we got the car seat out. We walked in, and I put Kaylin on the couch. I said, oh, my God, we're doomed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what do I do with this thing? The bubble the bubble burst in terms of fantasy, and yeah. it was now just me. <laughs> <laughs> we had that with our, our firstborn, Nicole. It's like 
she came home and we did the same thing. It's like, and I remember staring at her like you thinking, I don't have a clue. Yeah. I don't have a clue. Somebody better have a clue. <laughs> like, who did this? <laughs> That's exactly right. And wh- why did they do it? <laughs> Where did they come from? <laughs> so accepting is a process. I, I'm guessing, like, it's hard to come to an acceptance of what is before you. It is. But we're, we're struggling with accepting these kids and their personalities and what they're emerging into. You know, and many times parents... They don't accept their kids' intelligence. They don't. They don't see them as mechanical or um, intellectual or creative. So I noticed that parents were forcing. It's like if you had a creative kid, you were lamenting or grieving over the fact that they weren't academic. Or if you had a mechanical kid, you're trying to force them to be academic, and that's that's not their wiring. Yeah. Except except their design, mm-hmm. you know, um, what stage, the age they're at, except, and this power of accepting is really, in my mind, healthy and very beautiful. I have one kid who likes academics, and I have one kid who uh, is very mechanical, mm-hmm. and I'm learning from him now, right? And so... Why would I want to make them or use my influence to make them something that they're not? Mm -hmm. That makes no sense to me because it's not about the kid at that point. Right. It's about me. Yeah. So the creative genius of God creating human beings, very distinct from its parents. Yes. Although the DNA is from mom and dad. Yes. They are altogether a unique creation from mom and dad. Agreed. Agreed. And that is a good thing. It's a great thing. Took me a long time to figure that out. Yeah, it's it sounds cliche-ish, Matt, but you know the whole individual snowflake, no two snowflakes ever alike kind of thing. We have we throw that around in our culture and in our society, but at the end of the day we don't really believe it. I'm trying to conform you into my image or a parent trying to conform a child into their image mm-hmm. as opposed to celebrating the uniqueness and the individuality. And I get that it's not, we're not talking about uh, a lack of unity or celebrating diversity at all costs. I'm just talking about as a parent, I'm going to nurture that uniqueness of my child, whether they're artsy, um, academic, mechanical, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to accept what stage and age they're at, whether it's two, four, five, Mm -hmm. 15. Um, I, I, and whether they're sensitive or strong willed, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work with them to cultivate that and use that, but I'm going to accept them for who God created them to be. So that would be like step one. That's the A. Um, learn how to accept who this uh, this child is. Yes. And, uh, and this may not be in order, but even if you're beyond the, the kids are no longer in elementary age or adolescent age, maybe they've grown older and you might've missed this and there's still a gap in accepting your kids. Yep. Is it still possible to like return back to a renewal of acceptance of who this person is in your life? Totally. 
That's a really smart question. For me, I have to now accept my adult children as they have evolved. I can't say that without thinking. And and do my best to accept and cherish and embellish and encourage who they have become. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I think that this failure to accept people or to try and conform them into our image is more pervasive in our culture than we like to acknowledge. But as a parent, I feel like it's the gift that I give them, mm -hmm. right? I accept them for who they are. Right. And don't try to, you know, the proverbial to try to vicariously live through my son who likes hockey because I always wanted to be a professional hockey player. Yeah. Would you have a thought in regard to, in terms of stage development, understanding developmental stages, is is there an easy resource to go through or to go to in regard to understanding your child's developmental stages? Oh, I think if you, if you Google, if you just went to Google Images, and Google developmental stages, you would see a number of charts and graphs that would help any individual at a glance look at, you know, where my kid is at. You could do a deep dive. Like twos, it's notorious. They're terrible twos. No, they're terrific twos. Hmm. The twos are supposed to give you some guff and some pushback because they're learning, Yeah. right? And each stage... Each age contributes to the next. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was noticing that parents were waiting, let's say, for adolescence before they started working on parenting an adolescent. Yeah. No, you, you start working on parenting adolescent as soon as they're born. You have to be thinking, you know, like a point guard, one step ahead or one play ahead in basketball. Yeah. And, and, we're genuinely so reactionary in our culture that I'm just struggling with this particular stage where my kid is at. They're driving me crazy. And you don't recognize, because we don't understand development, how whatever that thing is that's driving you crazy may be a really important normal developmental feature that's going to help them down the road. Yeah. I think accepting it can't be disconnected from understanding. No. No. Understanding is a basis of getting to know, and you may not be proficient. I'm not, by any stretch of the imagination, competent or an expert in the area of child development. Um, you far more so. Um, so that's my disclaimer. But in my training, I do go back to Eric Erickson's psychosocial stages of development, and that's good for me to peek at once in a while just to understand. Like in the early stage, stage one, in infancy, infancy up to 18 months, that's where trust and mistrust are established. That's exactly right. And then when you cross-reference Erickson's with attachment, the research indicates that the attachment style is developed in the first 12 months of life. Mm -hmm. Well, how important is trust to attaching? Yeah. Right? And so connecting these dots is critically important for uh, effective, healthy parenting. Absolutely. So there's accepting. There's accepting. All right. What's the B? Believing. The impact of believing. You know, 
I, I, I sometimes illustrate in our, our culture, we say, well, if you believe in yourself or you believe you can be or do anything you want to, I kind of push back on that. I believe in a child's potential, but I don't think they can do or be anything they want to. It goes against some of their wiring. If your kid is mechanical, he's not going to spend six years getting a master's degree or eight or 12 or 15 years in med school or getting a doctorate. What they want to do is they want to be in the garage wrenching on an engine right. or fixing a house up or doing these things. And what we have done in our culture is we have failed to recognize that uh, academic by value is no more or less valuable than a mechanic wrenching on my car. A hundred percent. They have different skill sets. And so I want to believe in my child's potential. I want to believe in their dreams and play with them and encourage them to dream. And in this believing, I also think it's important to believe in, and this is a role reversal, I think some will think, but believe in your child's God. They see God from a unique, unfiltered perspective. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't think we allow kids to teach us about faith. That's really interesting. I think they're in, in all categories of parenting, we feel quote unquote responsible. Yes. And rightly so. Right. But in that responsibility, I may miss opportunities like you're describing here about that role reversal. Start learning from your child. That's exactly right. You know, my daughter was young, and when she was talking about, she was having a particularly hard day. And she said, Dad, it's, it's been a long week this day. And I thought to myself, yeah, there are days that feel like you've crammed a whole week in it. And I remember her teaching me how to articulate that, you know, and then the innocence in which she approached my mom's death and the curiosity. She was really young when my mom died and she doesn't remember much about her. But this, this faith, this quest, this freshness that they look at life and the unique um, ways they connect things together. It reminds me of like the snow, you know, a, a beautiful, um, gentle Christmas snow that makes the earth look new and fresh. And we're so busy. We have to take responsibility, but we're so focused on training them mm -hmm. that we don't reciprocate and allow them to train us. And yet we insist that we want them to receive training from us, but we never model the humility and submission, if you will, that's required for them training us. Yeah, I think it's a great point. Um, I, again, having two adult children and having come to the realization later in their life, it was probably when Keelan was in adolescence, somewhere in the neighborhood of 13, 14 years old, I remembered a moment developmentally that she was just navigating through her independence. Like mm -hmm. she was, she was becoming independent of me and it was uncomfortable for me. Yeah. And I remembered, I've told the story before, I believe, but I was driving out to the farm where they rode horses 
and she was extra quiet, like not engaging in conversation. And I felt real distance from mm-hmm. her and I didn't like it. And it was kind of like we get to the farm out in Marshall, Michigan, mm-hmm. and, and we park the car and she pops out of the car and goes into the barn and I'm left in the car just kind of reeling like, I don't know what to do with this moment. I feel like I'm disconnected from my kid. And I felt like God said at that point, hey, buddy, you can either celebrate what I'm doing in her life or you can fight me on this. Which one do you want? And that's where I got the image of I just want a front row seat to her life. Yeah, that's brilliant. And from that point, I allowed God to teach me through my kids, to your point, about what it means to be a a child or a father, meaning that I can relate to my kids and understand what it is for me to be a a son of the, the father in terms of my relationship with God. And really, everything I've learned has come through the filter of marriage and children. Yeah. Everything I've learned of value has come from those two. The family system has taught me a lot and uh, taught me where I was wrong and taught me how to become more authentic and more real. And it hasn't stopped. I'm still in school growing in learning about being a father, about being a child. Oh, I think, I think so too. My grandparent or my grandparenting, the grandkids are, you know, the cycle is now in a different focus. I have a nine-year-old and a six-year-old grand grandchildren and they're teaching me, but I'm modeling that for them. I believe in their potential. I believe in the way they see life and I can modify that. And then I also know, and this isn't true for all parenting or all parents, because some parents don't really connect for whatever reason. But for the parents that are investing in their children, I also like to encourage parents to believe in their own instincts. So often in our culture, we compare, like in parenting, we're, we're comparing my parenting style with professionals, with experts. And I noticed, and I know some of these experts, and I'm like, oh, I don't know that the experts have it right. Mm. And so I really encourage the parents that I work with is, particularly when I learn that they have good instincts, follow your instincts when it comes to parenting. Yeah you'll probably get it right. Yeah. Right? And then I want to believe in my kids' report. I, I want to believe when they tell me something is wrong, not to just blame or accuse, but I want to, I want to, I want to believe in my kids' report it's so that I bring attention to it. If they're being bullied at school, I want to be safe enough for them to talk to me about it. Um, and that comes through just trying to understand what they're telling me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I would imagine like adults, we deal with a incident or a situation and we have to seek understanding about what happened. Yeah. What's happening, managing, how do I feel? What am I thinking? And having a parent come alongside me as a child to be able to help me with my report. Oh, yeah. I would imagine would be critical to safety and trust and development. Yeah. And helping helping you, 
understand the example for this is it's going way back. There was an old show called the Andy Griffin show and Andy was a single dad with his son, Opie and Opie came home one day in the episode and he was describing a man or a thing, a man that climbed up out of the tree and he had a, a helmet on and he was describing this guy. Well, Andy didn't believe his report. The long and the short of it was, is the guy that Opie did not have the words to describe was a lineman. He was a power pole lineman. And to Opie, it looked like he came down out of the tree, but he was working on the lines and the trees and, and the power pole. And he looked like a Martian. Yeah. Right? And Andy kept wanting to discipline Opie for his overactive imagination. Yeah. So he finally has Opie take him out to where he's seeing this Martian-like character. And lo and behold, the lineman climbs out just as Opie described. And Andy's response is, well, I guess I'm going to have to eat some humble pie. Yeah. And they meet, you know, but that's believing in the child's report. That's, that's, that's recognizing that the child may not have the words to describe the world around them, but I have to believe in it long enough and deep enough to go on a curiosity adventure with my kid to like learn what they're trying to tell me. Right, right. I've got uh, a good friend um, and his wife, longtime friends of ours, um, have two children. And then when they were a little older, they had a third child. Mm. And it was kind of later in life stage. And um, they, uh, they got to start over. Mm -hmm. But it's been such a joy to watch. Yeah. And it's like, I would love, and I think that's where grandparenting, grandparenting comes in, right? You get to do over some of the things that you maybe didn't get a chance to do well in the first round. Yeah. But it's neat to watch them enjoying parenting. Not that it doesn't have its struggles. Oh, no. But the point is, is that they're so much more mature raising this kid. Yeah. And he's a delight to be around. So the ABCs, accepting and believing, and now the C of ABC. Is one of my favorites. It's what I think of as the magic of connecting or attachment. You know, we're not emotionally present with people. We were trying to answer questions before we fully understand what you're talking. Yeah. You know, um, and or we're trying to manipulate feelings. Real men don't cry or you shouldn't feel that way as opposed to just allowing the feelings to be part of the curiosity and feelings are an important element for experiencing life and the fullness of it. And there are negative consequences when we suppress them or ignore them. Yeah. Right. So connecting to your child emotionally, connecting verbally. I don't think we pay enough attention to choosing our words carefully right. when it comes to kids, you know. And um, I like to to verbally connect with my kids and, and validate them. Mm -hmm. You know, you're doing a good job. Not, and, and not to see success or failure as permanent. I want my children to be healthy. Whatever they do in life, I don't care. Right, right. Be competent at it. 
if you want to be an engineer, be a good engineer, but be a healthy person first and foremost, yeah. right? And connecting to them emotionally and verbally and, and spiritually. Yeah. I don't think that we think about giving our kids a theology of pain and suffering on a broken planet. We talk about it all the time. I want to equip my kids to deal with the hardship of life. Well, I'm not going to be able to do that if I'm not connecting right? or if I'm damaging the connection, you know, and then physically hug them, hug them. I, I, Nowadays, it's so everybody's so paranoid about dangerous touch and inappropriate touch that we're losing the ability to have healthy touch, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm still thankful. I still hug my adult son when I say goodbye. Sometimes I'll give him a kiss on the cheek or on the forehead. I When I see my daughter, I try to hug her and tell her I'm proud of her and the mom she's become and the person that she's become same with my son Maya and I'm 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 thankful that my kids make me look like I'm a better parent than what I actually was or am Mm -hmm. but I want them to know that I want them to be in my life and I want to be in their life even though my daughter lives five hours in a different state away we use technology we go there but I love this concept of the magic of connecting. Mm-hmm. And you and I as clinicians know it as attachment, mm-hmm. right? And healthy attachment, that secure attachment, how important it is to have a person stay in a learning brain versus a survival brain. Yeah, and it, when you take attachment theory in a complex sense, it sometimes is hard to, to fully understand safe and secure yeah. versus anxious, avoidant versus, you know, detached yeah. or what have you. There's all kinds of different ways we could look at attachment, but really it just comes down to the place where, like, I enjoy hanging out with you, Dr. Rob. <laughs> it's mutual. <laughs> but specifically, it's easy to hang out with you. Yeah. I can just sit with you and I don't have to speak. I could speak. I'm just very comfortable being me around you. And the feeling is mutual, but that's what we're talking about. But the reality is that's that's just a safe and secure attachment. Yes. I don't, like when I'm coming to RCC, I don't like have like a trigger or anxiousness because I have to go to RCC. Or I get here and I park in the parking lot and something happens. And then when I come in, I'm like hesitant. Like I want to avoid certain people. The reality is the culture here has permitted me to be me. And therefore I feel safe and secure to be me. That's what I think of when I think of attachment. I do too. I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent. It's like you, you, you have to do this accepting before attachment works. Right. Right. It's like, and we are so, we, it's implicit. It's this implicitness that I try to conform you into my image because I think for some reason that's the right way to be. And I've resisted that. I've resisted it in, in my parenting. I want, I want my son Jeremiah 
to be appreciated, valued, and respected for the kid he was at certain age stage and definitely as the man he has become and becoming. Yeah. And the same is true for my daughter. Yeah. And I look at, I look at her and, um, I remember when she was a kid, it's one of my favorite stories. Her and I, she was a teenager. She was a teenager and we were fighting and she just interrupts me, Matt, and looks me square in the eyes. We're now squared up to each other. And she says, Dad, I got to tell you, you're overreacting. Yeah. This is how it's supposed to work. You're supposed to talk to me, kind of like lecture me. And as a teenager, I'm supposed to ignore that I'm hearing you or pretend like I'm not hearing you. <laughs> but, Dad, don't worry. I'm hearing you. So chill out. Absolutely. And, and it was, it was that, it was all of that, you know, the, the accepting her as she is, the believing in her report that she is getting it. And in that moment, I did feel really connected to her and I was appreciative for her educating me about how she saw our relationship in that moment. Yeah, and I think especially in regard to this connecting, again, as adults, the reality is as a, let's say, a parent, I am still in process. Like, I still make mistakes. Oh, I do too. And I want to make fewer mistakes. But I think the point I want to make is when I do make a mistake, I realize that I can look at myself from a healthy view because of this attachment concept, because I've been in a safe space. When I do make a mistake, it doesn't create anxiety in me because ultimately I want to learn through the mistakes that I make. Well, and when you, especially, especially in regard to my children and I have to really ask the question, am I still growing even through challenges or mistakes that either I make or my child makes. But think about it. That's, I agree. But when this attachment is secure and you have these ABCs of parenting in operation, let's go back to our relationship. There's a lot of grace that you and I give each other when we make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And you understand better the mistakes that I don't know how to articulate this. I'll need your help. But because we accept each other as is. That's good. I can, I can appreciate why you made the mistake you did. That's powerful. Listen to that thought. Because I've already accepted you. And, I, and I believe in you. That's exact. And I'm connected. The mistakes don't. It, it dilutes the mistake. I think this is really cool because. If there is a problem, it just reveals maybe a fracture in one of the three areas of accepting, believing, or connecting. And that's not a bad thing. It's just, hey, maybe in this area, I need some help. That's exactly right. It It's an assessment feature where I can like, you know, if I'm struggling or I'm, my daughter is wired like me. So she, she doesn't have a problem duking it out. You know, she's, I, I, and she knows this. I, it's like, she's got some salsa in her and it's hot. 
mm-hmm. especially because she's kind of adapted the advocate. Both my kids are advocate for younger children. Yeah. And, but, but there's a lot of grace there in the mistakes that I make and have made as a, with them as young children and the mistakes I make with them as an adult. Yes. Cause in some ways it's cha- well, Throughout lifespan, parenting is challenging. <laughs> it is, but it's also a journey. And yep. it is the the joy of the journey that has the power. As we close down on our podcast on the ABCs of parenting, um, what's the review? The review to me is the power of accepting, accept your child as is. The impact of believing, believe in them. The ma- to believe in them as is. As is. Yeah. And the magic of connecting is I don't want to miss the magic of connecting with my kids, young or old. That's good. Hey, this is only a 45-minute conversation. <laughs> this, deserves, <laughs> this deserves a lot more. Um, hey, a real quick message about the Resilient Conference. Yes. Coming up April 28 and 29, our last episode focused solely on the Resilient Conference, episode 41. And in that episode, I mentioned in the very beginning of it, my thought about what resilient is. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, it feels like a kid because kids are so darn resilient. Yes. And then we got some really good feedback from we did. one of our listeners who kind of plays in the circle of of, of professionals in yes. this area. And she gave us a perspective that helped us understand that resiliency is learned. Yes. You're not born with it. And I didn't have eyes on that. And I, so with that said, I have room to learn. And as we think about next episode for podcast, we're hoping that we can continue to expand our conversation on parenting, children, development, resiliency. Yes. Is our hope. I, I definitely. Yeah, she brought a good perspective. So um, resilientconference.org will be the website that you can go to to register and pay for the Resilient Conference in April. Um, there's a lot of good information on the website. You can see our keynote speaker, Dr. Brooks Gibbs. You can see our panel of speakers for the Saturday breakouts. It's going to be a really good time for our community to come together. So we hope that um, you take an opportunity to join us in April. That would be great. Consider this a personal invitation. If you have any questions, you can always email us at info at resilientconference.org. Other than that, we hope that your ABCs of living go well. Remember to accept yourself, to believe in yourself and connect with yourself um, and the world would be better for it. Yes. God bless. Have a wonderful day wherever that may lead you.